Hey y'all and welcome to Favorite for the Win, a husband and wife take on sports and life where it sounds like a good fight, even when we agree. I'm Shannon Favorite. And I'm Greg Favorite. And we're in week six, or episode six of Favorite for the Win. Woohoo! So let's start off with Oklahoma versus Texas. Okay, so as a texter wrote into the show earlier this week, someone who listens to the show said, you don't have enough stats. First of all, as Poppy Levitard would say, you don't get this show. But I will tell you this, the biggest thing of Texas-Oklahoma yesterday showed up for Texas. They led the FBS in missed tackles going into that game yesterday. Texas had 27 missed tackles on the season. And guess what? They had about 6-8 to eight in that game that led to big chunk plays of yardage for Oklahoma, which ultimately landed up costing them the game. I didn't necessarily think that Texas was all that good in the first place. I will tell you this. Watching that game yesterday, very impressive. Um, Murray, Murray Jr., number nine. Not quite sure the kid's first name, and I don't want to do that to him, but not sure his first name, but that kid's going to play on Sundays. He's a game wrecker. He he got off of blocks. He got off, and he got into the backfield. Yeah, he did. Um, But... We've seen this with the rest of the Big 12 also. you got players here and there that are really good. I'm not saying that it's not a good conference, but overwhelmingly, I, this isn't Texas's year to me. No, it's it's not. They're behind. and But to be quite honest with you, Oklahoma looks like a, a legit Final Four contender. They, they can tackle. They tackle very well on defense, mm-hmm. and we know that they can score points. Well, we're going to start talking about Lincoln Riley for his next job. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Good, Lord. Good that luck. Bu- that buyout's rich. Good luck, Lincoln. Uh, but the next game actually was a really good game until basically right in the third quarter. Got a little scared. Actually, the fourth quarter was not that good for Florida. But Florida LSU was a heck of a game yesterday. Yeah, no, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, like, and LSU, LSU should scare a lot of people. And the reality of this is, is they can do it. Any which way. They can win a game any in any way, manner, shape, or form that you need them to. They can run the football. They can play defense. And they can throw the ball all around the yard. And they can go five wide. They can go 11 personnel with two tight ends and one running back. They can do whatever you want them to do. And they can pound you into submission. And as much... And watching game day yesterday, and as much as I am... Not a fan of Ed Orgeron. Boy, is he right. Hey, we win the line of scrimmage on both sides, and, and, and then we and we commit less penalties, and we don't turn it over. Yeah, but you know what, though? Looking at the stats, this was a very evenly matched team. Uh, except for the one interception that Florida had at an inopportune time. But if you look at this, first downs, Florida had more, 28-22. Total yards-wise, 457 to 511. But that the big difference there was actually in the running game. Rushing-wise, Florida only had 146 yards rushing, which technically might not be a bad game, except for LSU had 218 yards total rushing. Are we, uh, are we, are we doing this more stat thing? We are. We're doing this you on purpose. You don't get this show. We are, we are <laughs> doing this on purpose. We talk about LSU controlling both sides of the field, but... If you look at time of possession, that doesn't add up. Florida actually possessed the ball 38 
the 38 minutes to LSU's 21. And I say that for this reason. I watched that game, and I saw Florida actually, it, what Florida looked like when they were on offense and on defense is that they looked methodical. But when LSU broke one, they broke one. LSU and you had catching two, that. LSU had two, dri- two drives that were two plays. Yep. And scored 14 points in four plays, essentially. Exactly. So that's where your disparity in the time of possession is and things of that nature. LSU was clearly the better team, the more loaded team. And I'm going to tell you, going down the road here, LSU's not a team I want to see. I'm still Florida. My, my, my pick, though, is still intact for Florida to still be in the... Uh... In the playoffs. Okay. Just letting you know, it's still possible. It'll all play its way out. It will all play its way out. But let's move on to the most disappointing team in college football. And that's it. I'm done with it. Kirby Smart, Georgia, you're you're a disappointment to everyone. But this is why my tack, this is why my pick is still intact because yes. Georgia lost yesterday. Yeah. Got it. Georgia, you're dis you're a disappointment. You're at home in an early game against a lesser a way lesser South Carolina team. You have this, what we now use as this word, and I've used it a bunch, stable of running backs. They don't get the ball enough. Here's another stat for you. Jake Fromm hasn't won a game at Georgia when he's, thrown, when he's thrown 30 plus times in a game. And guess what? In the third quarter yesterday, he had 31 attempts, yeah, pass t- attempts. Tell me this team doesn't look exactly like a Mark Rick team. What Mark Rick got fired for, is what Kirby Smart is doing. The only difference is, I keep, and you know what? I'm not even going to get into the difference. You know what I keep hearing? Oh, this big, bad Georgia offensive line. And they are. They average 335. Okay. They didn't push anybody around yesterday. They weren't terrible when Mark Richt was there. No, but the whole point was, is we have all these running backs, is what they said, and we have this big offensive line, and we're going to push everybody around. You couldn't push around South Carolina yesterday. I agree. Biggest disappointment in college football. Georgia shouldn't even be in the top 25. Uh, wow. All right. Shouldn't. A little too far. So. And. Oh, wait. Hold on. Not done. Not done. Not done. Not done. Not done. Yeah, but wait. You, you want to know why I'm not done? The other thing, too, is they have no one there that can stretch the field. Okay. There is not a single. And if they are, they're true freshmen and they don't allow them. Yeah, to. but to sit there and say they shouldn't be in the top 25 is absolutely ridiculous. If you want to go down the top 25, we can. And I'll tell you all the teams that they should be ahead of. Let's give Will Muschamp credit where credit is deserved. Because this is a low-scoring game. 2017, that's a, that's a low-scoring game. That means that there were some defensive things happening there. Let, let's look at the stats, Jer Bear. One fumble, three you interceptions. Will Muschamp is his defenses have always been good. So all I'm saying is let's give Will Muschamp some credit and let's not go overboard with Georgia not being in the top 25. A little bit of an exaggeration there, but okay, I get it. Moving along. Other than the fact that I still think Jonathan Taylor is your front runner for Heisman, minus could be. Well, that's a good conversation right there. You didn't change it. That's good. No, and and that's by the way, but the, the the guy that's sneaking in there, Joe Burrow. Oh, God. Okay, again, Tua Tagovailoa. There's no reason. I don't understand why we keep dismissing this. I mean, between him and Jalen Hurts, you got number one and number two, statistically speaking. There's no reason for either one of them not to still be in the conversation. Oh, they are. And And they will be. And they will be. And by the way, Alabama and with Tua Tagovailoa and their their four wide receivers that can take slants the distance, 
It's fun. So we we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Actually, I think it was week one when we watched them play. When I said, when you said I wanted Jerry to Judy. change Jerry Judy. Yeah. Jerry, I wanted to change my Heisman pick to Jerry Judy. Oh, I'll just, heck, I'll just change it to one of those four Alabama wide receivers given the week. That wouldn't surprise me. But point being is, how do you defend that? And we've continued to talk about this. How do you defend it? As good as LSU is, and we're going to see this soon, by the way. We're going to see this matchup soon enough. But as good as that LSU defense is, we, we talked about this. You got to play. You got to play a dime package the entire game long in order to be able to contain those guys. And then, oh by the way, you got to be concerned about the running game at that point in time. I guess we'll see who, if they really are DBU, then won't we? Because every single one of them kids at Alabama, all four of those wide receivers, Smith, Waddle, Ruggs, and Judy, they can pop the top off of any coverage. Just saying. We're, we're, and they can take a they can take the old sluggo sixty. I'm just saying, if they try to go man coverage on those four guys, you're gonna need to rotate. Best those, of luck. Yeah, you're gonna best need to rotate to you. your defense, your DBs, basically every down. Yep. Best of luck to you. Absolutely. Moving along to Pro Bowl. Let's start with the Thursday night game. We don't normally talk about the Thursday night game, but I want to talk about the Thursday night game. First of all, let me talk about why I hate the Thursday night football game. Okay. Because, one, all of these guys, most of them, are playing on a short week. So, basically, you do your install on Sunday night after you get back from your original game. And then you do your install. And then Monday, you're like, oh, players are off. And then Tuesday, we're doing this. And then Wednesday, we're here. And, oh, my God, Thursday, it's game night. I hate Thursday night football. We talk. They live in a league where we, they want to talk about player safety, and we get three days off. I don't. Uh, and I say we. They get three three days off. I don't mind the Thursday night game if, under the restriction that if you play the Thursday night game, that you, you should play be off. One, you, you should be off until the following week. That should be your bye week. Or, you played the one o'clock game the week before. Yep. I, like I don't, I don't mind that portion of it. But what we've seen in the past is the Thursday night game hasn't actually been good. But this season, Thursday night games have actually been fairly interesting, at least yep, to watch for sure. And the Patriots and Giants aren't any exception to that. Especially when you walk in and you hear a stat on ESPN that the Patriots defense, if you are in a PPR league, has outscored every wide receiver in the league. Think about that conversation right there, Greg. And I know Tony Brown isn't in the league anymore. I get it. Or right now, or at least right now. I know Tony's not in the game, and I know we're missing people like A.J. Green. But there are still quite a few wide receivers out there that this shouldn't be a conversation, in my opinion. Mainly, there's one down in Atlanta that we should be talking about. That shouldn't be a problem. Nope. Shouldn't be. But let's give the Patriots defense a lot of love and a lot of credit. Well, they have to. And the special teams. Because those are those are points, those are the hidden points yep. that you don't even count on anyway. Especially now with what they what they say they've done with player safety. That's my uh, my outlining quotation marks with player safety. But you can't basically return kickoffs. Yes, I mean you can, but you can't. And but the Patriots scored two special teams touchdowns on Thursday night. They sure did. And a defensive touchdown. And Tom Brady did not throw for one either. Nope. But. Is this not just like, I feel like we should be, this should be background music. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll put that in here. Um, Circle of life. Because this is how he came into the league. Yep. He didn't come in a league superstar TB12. No. Nope. He came in the league as a six-round draft pick with a really good defense. And they lost two Super Bowls in between to the Giants because they couldn't get Eli Manning on the ground. Yeah. Because there was no pass rush. And, oh, by the now, way. Now, 
They have this. And it's like Bill Belichick remembered or the light went off in the head. It's like, oh, let me respect my roots. Yep. Let me get back to what I do well. What but, Bill taught me. Yeah. Ouch. Didn't want to go there. Bill and Bill. Just saying. I want to laugh, but it's like kind of hard right now. <laughs> All right. So moving along. Thursday night game. Fantastic. Let's talk about the rest of these games out here. Oh, I forgot my other my, my last note on the Patriots. Tony wants to play football again. And he's even willing to reconsider working with the Patriots. And by the way, she's talking about Antonio Brown. If no, anybody's trying to figure no, no. it out. Tony Brown. He okay. will no longer be called Antonio Brown, at least in my book. But let's start off with a couple of other games. Or not let's start off. Let's talk about a couple of other games. Philly and Minnesota. Kirk Cousins can throw the ball all around the yard with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. You can stretch the field. It is Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, or Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, or Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. If you use them right, while yes, you have Cook, who is a great back in this league when healthy. You can do those kinds of things. The Eagles came into the game as one of the best run defenses because this is what Jim Schwartz does because he wants to stop the run so he can get after the quarterback because he is a blitz guy. Sure. Their defense is good. Yes. Their defense is good. But the Minnesota Vikings have what can travel, okay? And then they can run the football, and we know they can play defense. Look, but I they can him. throw it all around the yard. And Kirk Cousins today threw for 333 yards. Stephon Diggs had a monster day. And you sit here and you look and you go, okay, well, why does it take the wide receiver saying, I'm not happy, vocally, I, in front of everyone, for you to understand that? Look, I picked them to win the division. And I know it looked crazy, but like all those pieces that you just talked about, they're still there. Yeah. And when they use them, they play like they did today. That division's tough, though. Like, I, uh, do we not? The, the old, the Norris division of the NFC oh, is not the toughest division in football? You don't have to tell me that. And I love watching it, too, by the way, because yeah. it's, it's, it's good defense. Yeah. And your quarterbacks need to be smart. And uh, Green Bay has. Smart. Green Bay, in one free agency and one draft, has rebuilt the defense. Sure has. Detroit's going to be there. Matt Patricia understands how to do defense. I like even Matt with, Patricia. Even without the best players. Yep. Then you have Chicago. Well, we know they're stacked yeah. defensively. They have the Oakland Raiders pass rush in <laughs> my man Khalil Mack. And then and then you have the Vikings. Like, they're going to play defense in that league. I agree. Here, Here's the part that upsets me. I feel we're in October, so it's Halloween, right? I feel like the, the ghosts of NFL past are haunting this team. I, I woke up this morning to NFL Countdown to listen to Rex Ryan talking about Giving advice, giving solid advice, by the way, to Mike about, Zimmer, to Mike Zimmer about his coaching time as a Jet. Ground and pound. Well, no, actually, what he said was, we started out and we needed to ground and pound. Then we got weapons, and I was like, oh crap, we got to use these weapons too. And he failed to use those weapons. If Mark Sanchez would have had people like Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, the sky might have been the limit, or the roof might have been the limit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. 
also that, I mean, it also comes down to coaching too. Yeah. And one of the things that you've talked about over the past couple of seasons and about Mike Zimmer and like the lack of faith in him is that he's, it's the archaic style that you want to do. Yeah. Listen, Adam Thielen is statistically like the best wide receiver in the league right now. Yep. And Dalvin Cook is a really good running back, but you have you can run it and you can throw it. And by the way, both those it, guys it works together. By both the way. of those guys with. Yeah, by the way, if you gave you do both. if you gave McVeigh or Shanahan not saying that they don't have those weapons, but if you gave those guys that running game, that offensive line, and then the two guys on the outside that can pop the top off the coverage, imagine what they would do to set up play action. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And like I said, I feel like it like said Rex Ryan the story of Rex Ryan is being played out right now by Mike Zimmer, like take Take, Take some, some advice. advice. I'm not in the league anymore. Don't be that guy. Yep. Right? I mean, maybe Rex Ryan should start a mentorship or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, next game I want to talk about. How about them boys? The Cowboys started off 3-0. And they played teams like the Miami Dolphins and the Washington Redskins. And we were ready to crown them. Actually... And I do want to sit there and say, you know, welcome back, Buddy Pine. Yep. Because. <laughs> Old Sam Darnold. Well, in his defense, he, and not in his defense, but in everybody else's defense, he had a uh, high school injury, and it wasn't an injury, it was an illness, mononucleosis. Just saying. Who gets that when you're 23 years old and playing the National Football League? Just if I recall correctly, this is the kissing disease. It's 8 o'clock. Or, or I drank out of too many water fountains. Just saying. Can you get it out of a water fountain? Yeah, 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 germs. I don't, I don't, I don't believe, I'm not buying that. At any rate, back to the Cowboys, and now they're now. It's gonna be a hot week. It's gonna be a hot week in Dallas, and the Jason Garrett under the doesn't have another year on his contract. It is going to, it's going to erupt into bigger things because they are three and three now in a division. The good news is the division that they're in is terrible. It's, but it's still the Eagles to win. Yeah. And the Eagles sure. have better coaches. Let's just be honest about that. And it's not even that they have better coaches. Like what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing from the Dallas Cowboys when I look at their defense. So Buddy Pine comes back, and all of a sudden they don't know how to they, like they don't know how to stop a nosebleed right now. Yep. They don't know how to stop like they don't and know how to stop not for anything. That red zone interception. That game's not close. That defense is supposed to be good. Yep. Defense is good. Offensive line supposed to be good. Dak was under attack today. He was under assault. <laughs> the Dak attack. With, without <laughs> Quinton Williams. Without Quinton Williams and C.J. Mosley. I get it. For the Jets. Yeah, no, I get it. But we saw that last week, too. Yep. We saw we saw Green Bay do that, and I was like, well, maybe Green Bay's defense is really good. Green Bay's defense is good. Yeah. De- and, and, and Green Bay exposed them. But the Jets, the winless Jets to expose the Cowboys today? The Cowboys, that offensive line is supposed to be one of the best in the league. And it comes down to coaching and preparation. You think that's what it is? I. You so think- there's a reason why they pay NFL coaches a lot of money. And the reality of it is, is good coaching can, I just, it can succumb a lot. I don't, I don't know if it's good coaching. I, I watch this team and I feel very disjointed when I watch them. And I don't know if that's the coach's fault. When I watch them play, I'm not like, woo! That's a that's a put together team, and I I can see that as coaching, right? Yeah. But I don't. 
watch the I I watched them and since I oh well there's the running back and you got all these little parts over here and here's your you know here's your wide receiver over here and oh here's your offensive line that you know we're and literally and, playing five and different And the positions. other thing too is the Indian Bucks sneaking up on the Cowboys with yeah, Amari Cooper left in the second quarter today and didn't return from an injury and, that had happened last week. Yep, and he and he didn't have and you didn't have your slot receiver and regardless of what anybody wants to say. Don't tell me Aaron Rodgers still... Now, look, what the Packers are doing now is a little bit different than, obviously, in the Mike McCarthy days. Oh, those but slot receivers, though. All right, good point. We can talk about the that slot second. receiver, which is Randall Cobb, went out and practiced this week and yep. was hurt and isn't didn't play today. And he was missed. Yes, but here, slot receivers. Um, and this goes along the lines of we were talking about the tight end. Tight, uh, the position of the tight end, right? The slot receivers, tight ends. Like, to me... Like that is a necessary position for any young quarterback. Like that, you need to have one of those two be really, really good. And we see that Jimmy Garoppolo, Kittle, who's who's George here? Kittle is really good. And right? then and then you go to Kansas City and you have Travis Kelsey with Pat Mahomes. Exactly. And so, like I said, that slot receiver, it, it doesn't. It, it might not be a tight end to be able to that slot. To be able to run that slot route. And, like, it's key. And even go to Philadelphia. I know they got blowtorched today by Minnesota, but even go to Philadelphia. Guess who Carson Wentz loves to look to? Well, historically Zach historically speaking, though, even like Ben Roethlisberger with Heath Miller. Yep. Right? I mean, it was there. Help. Phil Brewers with Antonio Gates. Tom Brady. Yep. Had two. <laughs> Aaron Hernandez and one Rob Gronkowski. Like, it's a real deal. Owning the middle of the field. The middle, in between the hashes. That's where the game's played. It is. And if you can, if you can set the seam up and own the middle of the field, you're going to win a lot but of games you, in this league. It's also... Because linebackers can't cover these guys. It's not even just that. Statistically speaking, though, it helps a quarterback out because it's a shorter pass. Yep. It's usually right in front of them. And it's big targets. And it's, and it's bigger targets, right? So we talk about the long ball, and you have to do that, but... We were talking about this from a practice perspective, right? You got to get those little short ones in before you get the, before you go for the deeper deeper routes. Yeah, sure. Right? You got to get some confidence in that and get that going. Like you don't learn how to throw a deep out when you're six years old. No. You learn how to dump that ball across the middle early on. Yep. So I think that that's you know that's something that's fundamental. And so you said it, slot receivers. Like there you go. Boom. What else you got? Anything else? Not really, other than the other biggest disappointment in the NFL thus far to me is the Atlanta Falcons. Minimal injuries, because when you look at it, and I believe I said last week where you had Luke Falk, uh, Minshew, and Mason Rudolph, and then Devlin Hodges playing in games last week. The Falcons offensively still have Devontae Freeman, Austin Hooper, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and then the league MVP, uh, league MVP in Matt Ryan, and yet they go start one and five because they go on the road today and lose to Arizona. Okay, to oh, a rookie quarterback. Okay, but this is exactly okay. So this is exactly what I was trying to say about the Cowboys. The Falcons' offensive line, there's uh, off, not offensive line, offense in, pure, in total doesn't look cohesive. It looks like people that are out there playing, but they don't look like a unit playing together same thing with the Cowboys like it's the same I'm looking I feel like I'm looking at the same offense like that you got parts going on you got parts running routes and you got people doing blocking but I don't know if like the right hand knows what the left hand is doing so they fired both offensive and defensive coordinators in Atlanta now the head coach calls the defensive plays which you and I both agree on the head coach's job is to manage the coordinators and manage the team not 
call plays. They're very. You intervene few. when you need to intervene, but you manage the assistant coaches. There are very so I don't few know how coaches. that works. There are very few coaches that can actually do that successfully, and the ones that do it successfully are Hall of Famers. Yeah. But you know who has? Sean Payton. Yep. Here's Sean Payton without a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yes, is Teddy? Did they give up a third round pick for Teddy Bridgewater? And then he is he the highest paid backup at seven point one two five million dollars a year? Yes, but he's not. He Teddy Bridgewater is not Drew Brees. No, but Teddy Bridgewater was a starting quarterback in this league, and the only reason why he wasn't was because he got hurt, yep. not because he lost his job. Very square with anybody. Greg. What Sean Payton has done defensively, they have won games. Defensively, sure, and they are winning games under his guidance. Uh, so here's my disappointing thing with the NFL: pass interference. I'm talking. I'm, I'm about to rail on the refs for a second here because the NFL this year decided to, based off of a Drew Brees not making it to the next game because of a pass interference call or lack thereof, they put in this new rule. I don't think that they want this rule. I don't think that they want this interference call at all. And looking at it, just looking at it statistically, the NFL GSIS data, which I got to figure out how we get into this thing. 40 pass interference related plays have been challenged in the 79 games played thus far this season. Well, not including today. Just seven have been overturned. 40 calls. And we saw this. We saw this with Mike Tomlin. We saw this actually in the Giants game on Thursday. Which was a blatant pass interference call. So seven, so seven, that's only, that's only 17.9%, 17.5%. So of those 40 plays, 28 involved non-calls with only five resulting in reversal. And just two of the other 12 penalties that were challenged have been overturned. The NFL doesn't want this rule. They put this rule in to appease the yep. fan and appease the owners. Yep. I feel like they, they were trying to give up something to say, oh, look, see, we're willing to negotiate. But I think that was in bad faith. And that was my concern. And we said this prior to this show, even us even having this show, but you and I talked about, I wonder what that's going to look like. I would like to say it hurts the National Football League, but it doesn't because the numbers and the ratings show that it doesn't. But ultimately, it's, it's hurting because now we don't know what pass interference is. And that was usually a clear cut. This tails on the what is a catch. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly this is the same Yo, thing. No, hundred percent. This it's is the exact 100% same thing. Hundred percent exact. Yep. Moving along, last but not least, final segment. Most impressive thing I saw this week. Do you want me to go first? You can go first. This one is. Uh, so, I will start by saying uh, my most impressive thing is going to be with Jonathan Sutherland, Penn State corner. And again, we're being taught by young people in this country about how things are supposed to be. Any of us who have been in locker rooms and been on sports teams, the reason why we played sports because we didn't care about where you are, where you're from, who you are, and what you look like. We don't care. All we care is if you're here to help. And yet somehow this guy wrote a letter. And by the way, shout out Reese Davis because, dude, he, he bashed that dude and nailed that dude on on college game day on national television. So thank you for that, Reese Davis. Appreciate that. But we allowed a man to be a bigot and make racist comments about someone's hair and what they look like and not knowing the person. So again, we reach to the younger generation in this country and they show us the right way. So shout out. Like you can't do that. And so what you don't get to do is you don't get to tell me how smart I get to be. 
You don't get to tell me how I should look. You don't get to tell me like what how what I should do with my hair. You don't get to tell me what kind of tattoos that I have or if I should or should not have them. You don't get to tell me those things. By the way, Team Captain, an academic All-American. I just wonder, Dave Peterson, were you ever an academic All-American at the Pennsylvania State University? Well, not just that though. Did you send uh did you send a note to Trace McSorley with for his tattoos? No, sure didn't. And also, if you have a problem with the team rules, Take that up with the actual man who runs the team, who would be James Franklin. But I bet you don't want none of that smoke. Nope. Sure don't. I bet that. So, moving along to my most impressive thing this uh, that I saw this week. So, this is actually kind of funny for me, but we're sitting there watching the LSU-Florida game, and C.J. Henderson breaks up a, t- a touchdown pass, and I was like, you know, number one. Like, that's actually, like, an important number at Florida. I was like, man, I think Lito Shepard might have wore number one. And you're like, nope, nope. He won 26. He wore 26. So we go back and look it up, and he actually wore number three. But the fact that you knew that he wore 26 in the pros, I was like... Philadelphia Eagles, shout out, Lito Shepard. I was... I'm not going to lie, I was shocked. I was just like... And it was... It was impressive to me. Like, you have this memory that retains, like, this steel trap that retains stuff that I'm like, I would have never known that. Useless sports information, Shannon. But, along with that, and actually truly impressive besides useless sports knowledge... Um, shout out to the Washington Mystics, the WNBA champions, the house that Shamiqua built. Yeah. Right? She stole and that. She stole that, by the way. It's okay. She sold that from Clifton Yates. It's saying. okay. He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Um, and also, shout out to Simone Biles. 25 gold medals. The most decorated gymnast in U.S. history. She is the Michael Phelps of gymnastics. All around badass. Yep. All right, last but not, not least, the funniest thing you saw this week. The funniest thing I saw this week comes once again from my new favorite team I love team how you left your own stuff. I know, because it's the Cleveland Browns. And, and Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens continue to make mockeries of their own. And it's so funny because... And the reason why it's funny to me is because you guys can talk when you didn't have to play games and there's and there's no pressure. Now all of a sudden you have this great talented roster. You managed four players last year. Now you got to manage a whole team and now you have to win and you're not and you don't handle it well. They don't handle it well for what it's worth. Funniest thing to me that we have professionals that can't handle the media. That's why it was funny. Oh, that thing's going to blow up soon. It is. It's close. What's your funniest thing? Taking time bomb. The University of Texas, apparently, or uh, no, the Big 12 has made it a penalty for teams to do horns down. I find it funny and hilarious because Texas has basically held the Big 12 hostage for so many years, and they're not even that good. Well, they have one national championship in like 50 years. Congratulations. They're like Auburn. Or Tennessee, even. Or Tennessee. But Texas, so... Texas bullied teams out of the Big 12 because they got their own network, they got the Longhorn Network, and decided they weren't going to share anything with the Big 12. All the other schools, including the SEC, has the SEC network, where all schools get profit sharing. But the, but Texas said, no, no, we're going to do our own thing over here. So teams actually left. They had to bring in West Virginia <laughs> to be a part of the Big 12 in order for them to be able to be a viable conference. The Big 12 officiating crews have decided it's a penalty. To do the hook to, to do the horns down thing because it's hurting their feelings. Because of the rich tradition that is the University of Texas. Grow up, Texas. 
like, you're still losing. Congratulations. I don't tell you. Funny to me. That's all we got this week, right? Yep, that's it. Another week, another podcast. This is Favorite for the Win. See you next week. Everyone be well.